Yeah, but I think slowly, 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 hopefully that goes back. I know the numbers are increasing now again, but then, as I said, I really think we need to get um, used to it to live with this COVID because I think it's going to be the future. It's not going to disappear like this. I'm Danny Vallant, and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. This fortnight on Dirty Linen, we are traveling all around the world. And I think when a lot of Australian people think about food and restaurants, their minds turn to London. It's a place that a lot of Australian chefs have traveled to. There's a lot of English chefs in Australia. It's a place that we definitely feel connected to in a culinary sense, as well as a cultural sense for many of us. Thomas Lidikevichus was the executive chef at Jason Atherton's City Social. But in the pandemic, he has done something very interesting. He's partnered with a stallholder in Borough Market at a stall called Turnips, and he's opened an alfresco dining space. Thomas, thank you so much for having a chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, tell us a little bit about Turnips. So, so everything started, well, actually started while I was in the city. Um, yeah, the Charlie took over over, over his parents because the parents ran the business or still they're still running, but then Charlie now is in charge of their son. Um, so they ran the company for 25 years in the uh, borough market. So there's successful business going there. And then, yeah, they were supplying us vegetables and fruits and all the best produce we can get. And then when the pandemic hits us, um, yeah, I was helping him out, doing some videos, doing some promotions on Instagram. So he used to send me some uh, veg boxes or make a video or post something. So yeah, help you know, the both side help for us. So I had something to do. And then of course, you know, getting some amazing produce uh, sent over. And then yeah, what happened just one of one of the days, probably was still a month going in a pandemic. I think it was still locked down. And then um, Charlie rings me up during the day super super happy it's like tommy i was like yeah what's happening mate and he was like oh tommy i've got an idea i was like what is this and then he said let's do the restaurant i was like what do you mean the restaurant and then he said yeah let's do this in a stall and outside i was like um he literally he was like this tommy are you in and i had no time to say something not even thinking it's like yeah let's do this and yeah that's how we start going and then literally we had two weeks to buy a plate, find the glasses, find the, every single bit for the restaurant to open the restaurant in a two weeks time, which was absolutely challenging. Actually, I lost, uh, what, 14 kilos in two weeks probably. Ah, that's how you do it. <laughs> just just decide to open a restaurant in two weeks. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this was really a big challenge probably. And then it's still going a challenge because now we start kicking off completely. So, yeah, it's wow. great. So track back a little bit. So, I mean, you had to leave the job that you were doing at City Social, executive chef. It's a Michelin star restaurant. I mean, I know, tell me about the situation there and, and in the city of London with restaurants at the moment. So at the moment, it's still quite uh, dark days, I would say. Um, as I'm aware, City Social is opening 1st of September and uh, a couple of restaurants, well, a couple of two-star, one-star restaurants, they already start opening up, but then... It's still not in a full swing. Some restaurants outside London, they're not even open yet. They're going to think and open middle of September or um, October because it's still going. I mean, all the offices in the central London, they're still shut. They're running maybe with a 20% of, uh, occupancy. So it's quite, uh, it's still not. If you come out in the central London, like Monday, Tuesday, 
this is still a ghost town, to be honest. There is already the nightlife is start getting back like almost to normal, kind of. But then, uh, you know, office work. I don't know what is the reason not to coming back to work. But then, you know, if they can go to the pubs in the nighttime and then they don't want to go to work in the daytime, not really sure what's this about. But it's still, you can feel it, even the trains or tubes. Before that, you know, eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, you no chance to have a seat or, or even to come in the first train. But now, trains are empty and the restaurant situation is still. <clears throat> not on the best side yet, actually. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's understandable. Those city restaurants in London are so dependent on the the people working in the city, but also for tourists, right? Yeah, there's no tourists, actually. So, like, even our place now, literally, we've got all the locals coming in or people who heard of us and then, uh, you know, some Instagrams or whatever the social media is. But then most of them, they are locals. We already got a couple who came every single weekend to eat with us. Really? Yeah, we already they said, why to cook when we got this to the next door? You know, so, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's a lot, it's, so literally now, so we, we literally waiting for the tourists to come in as well. But at the moment, to be honest, it's, it's already good. Okay, well, that's great. I mean, it's so interesting around the world we're seeing – the cities that are open, it's really they're, they're open for their locals and it's such a different flavour to some of these world cities. We were talking to someone uh, in San Sebastian this week and she's like, it's just the Spanish people here. We don't know how to deal with them. <laughs> so it's it's funny to have London for the for the people that live there. Yeah, it's true now. So it's absolutely – compare what was, what, five, six months ago compared to now is 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 a day and night. I think like – this pandemic made people to, uh, you know, go back where they want to or then literally understand them what they want to do in their lives. What actually happened to me as well, probably most of the people as well, who really took this on board and then start thinking outside the boxes what you want to do with your lives. You know, some people probably sat at home like vegetables, do nothing. But then for quite a bit of people, I think they made life-changing moves, I would say. You know, yeah, I think that's really, yeah, really true. To be honest, when I was, let's say, if you're in a Michelin star restaurant running place like this with Jason, and then someone's going to call you and say, Yeah, do you want to do some food in a vegetable stall? You'll be like, Seriously, man. But that's the thing. When stuff like this happens, you start seeing many more things outside that, you know, outside the line. So that's that thing that, that makes people change. Oh, it's so interesting. I mean, what was it about these times that made you rethink what you wanted to do with your career? Um, even when, you know, before before the call from Charlie, you're already sitting at home because I've got two little girls and I've got a wife and then all the time, you know, you're spending time with them, actually seeing them growing because usually when you're here, I'm not sure how, uh, as I heard in Australia, it's a bit better working hours and then the, the culture of the working in the kitchen, I think is much better than here. But here, when you're spending, you know, you do five doubles, so that means you do, what, 80 hours a week or something like this. Um, you know, you do that, and then you don't see your kids growing properly, and then you wake up when they're still sleeping, and then, yeah, you leave and you come back, they're sleeping, and then you, you see them just a couple of days a week. And then and now, during the pandemic wars, every single day, you wake up with them, you play with them, you know, you bring them for a nap, and then cooking with them, and then they, that was absolutely great. So these little things start make me think like what what I'm going to do in the future when I need to go back to the you know big kitchens again yeah and this thing's happened now so it's kind of a you know it's kind of a showed me you can do something different enjoy completely what you're doing and then still you know have family time 
which is, I think, wow. important. Yeah, most important thing to make the other things happening. So, you know, if, if it's bad at home, it's not nice at home, you know, or you can't see the kids and stuff like that. So you, you're not in a 100% with the job because you're always, you know, back thinking something, oh, you know, I need to do this and this. But when it comes to this level, you know, you enjoy it, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much pressure with those Michelin star restaurants. You're always, you know, looking for to retain the star, to get the next star, um, the next review. It's, I guess there is such a, a treadmill, but, I mean, you must have found satisfaction in that as well. Was it a, was it as did you, yeah, how did you sort of balance that? So this is, I, I really think this is the obsession, you know, this is obsession of the Michelin Guide. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, these places, they make you successful as, I don't know what, you know, but when you get a star, literally, doors doesn't close and then it's absolutely amazing. And then, but, you know, it's not everything about the Michelin stars we understood now. Don't get me wrong, now we're in a market where I'm still producing and probably even better that I used to do in a Michelin star restaurant because now I've got the best produce you can get. These restaurants not even touching produce like this because they never knew about it. So this is a lots of different things um, you're using now. So let's say potatoes. You know, we used to you know, now at the moment is the moment here potatoes from from France from Little Island. And then when you and say so, or let's say any restaurant, if you're not knowledgeable enough, you know, you're just basically googling or see what else doing, and maybe you're gonna give a call to the supplier ask for the potatoes and then what are you going to get just a little new potatoes because you don't want to pay too much for that you know because they will send you an invoice for three kilo box for 25 quid and say listen mate what is this about and then they say yeah these are amazing but yeah you're going to tell them this is just a potato yeah (laughs) yeah it's true so this is how it started working and now i understood that you know the quality where you can get literally in a supplier's market is absolutely amazing and when you are in a restaurant, you know, you're trying to run the cost as low as down. And then even as Michelin's restaurants, yes, you're getting, let's say, your meat more expensive or more, you know, the fish better. But then the vegetables, usually you leave kind of, you know, on a side dish. It's not completely, you know, full on on vegetables. You're like, yeah, it's a veg, it's just a veg. But actually, now I start thinking the other way around. Wow. That makes you the whole dish. Yeah, it's crazy. So so these dishes that you're doing at Turnips, they're very much veg, veg is at the centre of the, the each dish concept? Yeah, that, that's the thing. We, we try to do this. So every single snack, let's say, is, is the vegetable base. Is um, is no dairy, is no kind of, sometimes dairy, a little bit in a puree or something, but then we're trying to as much give a freshness and actual taste. You know, just now we had a, just um, radishes, just with the blue cheese foam and then yes you know it's a bit of blue cheese and then uh but still those two marriage so together and you literally what you do you just put on a plate nicely on a napkin giving so much effort you know to cut them nicely to prep the leaves perfectly and put them on a black napkin so they look you know they're made for that and then so much work goes into it you know, when you think about it it's just a radish you know you can chuck them in a bowl and just do that but then again those extra details extra miles people appreciate that and then every single dish, we were even thinking to do completely vegetarian menu. But then, again, people want to try some meat, want to try some fish. So then, it's, again, it's quite, it would be, I think, narrowing our um, uh, clientele you know, base. Yeah. So now we just go. Does it feel brave to strip it back so much and to do dishes that are so focused on vegetables? 
No, I don't think so. Actually, is more as I said to everybody else, is is much more uh, hard work going in into the prep vegetable the right way because it's not just boiling it and you know not just putting a pan or roast it or boil it. It's so much more going about it. You know, you can treat exactly the same way as the meat or fish. You can cure it. You can hold it. You can hang it. You can do whatever you want with the vegetable. And then this is now, you know, I think it's the most greatest time to do this. Like now, very soon, we're going to start coming to the autumn season, which is going to be a lot of, you know, big, chunky vegetables. So then those ones, you can you know, do whatever you want to them. It's amazing. And how are the customers responding? Like, how are they responding to this sort of this produce-focused menu? The, the response is absolutely brilliant. Start from the actual, you know, location, from actual uh, project idea, sitting under the London Bridge and then having the meals. Because we've got two places. We've got um the small plates and then we've got a uh, kind of a fine dining restaurant coming out in the food truck um so yeah so these are two little places and every single one it just even you passing the road to come from one place to another place people just stopping you and start talking to you and you're like middle of the service it's like yeah thank you so much talking to me and but then you know you're so busy in there and then it's just but again people coming after the dinner you know because the thing is what we do we're coming out with every single course as chefs and then we're explaining where the produce coming from. We're talking most about the vegetables and then we just add, yeah, it's a bit of mackerel, you know, coming from the North Sea or then a little bit of mongolitsa pork coming out from Hungary. But then the idea is to highlight the vegetables and give them more story about them. So people are absolutely loving it. It, it sounds the way you're talking about it. It sounds like you're very much more connected to the produce than you were in the restaurant, but you're also really connected to the customers, the people who are eating it. Yeah, this is because before, you know, you're stuck in a kitchen um, and that's it. So, you know, you're pumping out whatever covers, you know, from from 60 cover restaurant to 200 like was in the city. And then you know even chance to think about leaving the past during the dinner service. So if someone asks you to come out and it's easier to get them in the kitchen, you know, once a month if someone wants to. But then most of the time, let's say in a places like this, they're all the business people. And then to be honest, they don't really care about you know what they eat they just come in do their business and they leave and then here people literally coming for the experience for the location for for the produce and you know for the us chefs and then front of house so this is what makes us actually to be more happier than you know you're locked in the kitchen now you see people you know they come talk to you and they take pictures with you it's amazing because when I think about Borough Market, I think about just incredibly beautiful produce just laid out so beautifully and just these just yeah, like little poetic little tomatoes and, yeah, the, the radishes you're talking about, beautifully shaped courgettes. Like um, it must be really inspiring to have um, to be so close to the produce and to be able to create, create your dishes um, with that bounty around you. Yeah. Um, even, you know, with my chefs, let's say, Myself already, I'm starting to understand the way I'm going to work and I want to work. But then I've got, let's say, Susan, who works with me well, for 45 years already. Um, I've got another guy, you know, staying with me, not going back to the city social, let's say. So they chose this path, which is completely unclear. We don't know, you know, what we're going to do in the winter. Well, we kind of know what we're going to do in the winter, but we don't know how how's the response going to be from people sitting still outside in the market, but then, you know, under the heaters. And then, you know, maybe we're going to give them some sort of a coating so we make some barbecue pits or something like this. But we think, you know, as you say, Borough Market is 
this iconic place in London, you know, always been all about food. But then we, I think, there's a, some little restaurants around it. But then what we do, I think, we brought it up back to, you know, to the shining uh, space. And then and the same with the chefs. Now they're absolutely enjoying it. You know, literally, you don't need to worry about ordering vegetables. You just come out in a stand. So people shopping, let's say you shop around, you see the chef, oh, but what can I do with this little round crochet? And then, you know, one of my chefs or even myself, if I'm on the stand, you know, explaining you how to prep in and what we can do with that, you know, so this is great. And people are actually really happy. And then us, you know, because you out of blue, someone asks you what to do with this. You know, it's like you come in, you're doing your things and then someone's going to ask you, oh, yeah, what were you going to do with this crochet? And then you like, oh, okay, like this, this and this. So yeah, it's, it's, it sounds great. Yeah. He's, well, I I read about your restaurant uh, in Jay Rayner's review in the Guardian earlier this week, and what he said about that. He said, "I'll just quote from him because I love his writing." A dinky round Provencal courgette arrives, browned and burnished until just beginning to sag. It has been sliced open, scooped out, and filled with a mess of tomatoes, basil, and breadcrumbs. Oh my goodness, that sounds so delicious. And I think partly that's because uh, at the moment we're in the middle of winter. I haven't seen a tomato for a while. Um, and oh, yeah, guys, you know, winter now. <laughs> yeah, we're in winter. So, yeah, I'm jealous of the beautiful tomatoes that I know you'll be getting. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I feel when I read that out is, like, I'm a restaurant critic here in Melbourne, but I haven't reviewed a restaurant since March. It's, um, what, what do you think about uh, the role of the food media? We've talked a little bit about Michelin stars, but what do you think about critics coming and reviewing? Yeah, um, with the J, what happened, literally, we were just getting ready for service and then even the the place where we came to eat, so as I said, we got two little places. So he came to the smaller uh, plates with the courgettes and then the breadsticks and everything. So we were just just literally open because our transition between the day markets, we need to clear everything out, bring the tables and chairs together, and then set it up. We literally go like forty five minutes gap probably, sometimes even less when the when the sellers in the market they're finishing a bit later, so then you know drags us back a little bit. And then everyone's like, whoa, 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 who's that? Is this Jay? Is this Jay? And then it comes in, out, <laughs> and we're all like, not start panicking, but then well, what, what to do? What to do? Because then everybody knows him, you know, from from telly, from newspapers. We know he can break you or make you in the end, you know, <laughs> with his reviews, because um, he's you know super straightforward and he literally thinks whatever he thinks and writes about it. And then he's like, sit down, guys. No worries, fine. He comes with his wife, sat down. Actually, the first ones in a, in a, in, a, in a restaurants. And then, yeah, can I have the drinks? So he ordered whatever drinks. I can remember what he ordered. And then he was like, yeah, I want every single item from the menu. I was like, oh, my. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Then we had a Scott with, with uh, you know, with a punk hair. So he's a Scottish guy. He's super, you know, he can chat you off completely. You know, he's the guy who chats mostly and <laughs> a great cook and then, you know, chat at the same time so that's really great um yeah and then he starts talking to him every single dish because i was already starting getting busy in the restaurant so i said okay scott take care of him and then you know good luck uh yeah and then after that after the meal he wanted some chocolate dessert as well so we made a little thing from the uh, other side of the project they really enjoyed it you know had their coffees and they left and then after that we got a phone call um from him Asking about the story of the, you know, so he was talking to the Fred or Charlie's dad, 
I'm asking about the story, you know, how everything happened, how long they've been doing this as the market. So yeah, just to get the whole story together. And then photographer came in, took the pictures, and then, uh, wow. Um, yeah, and then there's a lot of things now. We started getting, you know, I wouldn't say critics, but then, as you see in the way in, uh, what's the name, is the Financial Times, you know, in the six places in the world where you can have a fresco dining with a social distancing, something like this. So we're in the list of there already, and then it's just a bit of yeah, going around, and then... It's quite quite a few people who had some uh, magazines coming to eat, but this is again part of the PR, which is you know they're coming, they're trying, and they're writing about us because it's as you say, it's not many things you can write now because not a lot of places opening up. We've got restaurants with the two stars closing down, two of them actually. So you know it's not it's not the greatest days now. So I think everyone is uh, hungry for an article and a good meal. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that Jay Rayner and, and some of the other critics, they're not actually scoring at the moment, which is, I suppose, a concession to the difficult times. Yeah, of course, you can't really do that, you know. Now you need to write something. Because we thought about it, it as like, oh, oh, you know, because he can... I remember in the City Social, he absolutely destroyed us when they opened. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, he literally destroyed the social because, you know, because that was a place for the suited people kind of you know it's not, it was literally made for the bankers kind of um yeah so he was against this and then yeah he ripped into pieces and then you know um but, but here we're like so oh my god we just opened and then trying to get every single thing together and then he comes in on the first week we were like oh my god what's gonna happen now <laughs> but you know as always i was saying to the child i said look buddy he can't really you know, write something bad during these days. Because, you know, people trying to put, literally put money down, the last pennies down to make it happen. And then, you know, someone comes in, eats it, and then destroys you. And you literally, your business goes down. So we can't really, you know, I don't really think this is being a human, you know, <laughs> doing these days, something like this. So now this was literally push. One was I come out on Sunday. So from Sunday by 8.30 in the morning, we already had 40 covers and by the end of the night it was 120 or something like this, just after his review coming out. Okay. Yeah, so it's... Uh, it's so you felt a little bit protected, not only by your beautiful food, but also by the situation where you felt like, as a human, he wouldn't try to destroy your restaurant. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I really think... But in one, th one way as well, destroying it you wouldn't be destroying it for much about it as you said okay the pork belly and the wine but to be honest it's probably those two things because we quite confident with our produce you know you you can't get better than this maybe at least you grow in your own garden um but this is you can't get better than this and we work super hard and we've got um you know the experiences you know from the best restaurants in london and then around the world whoever worked somewhere um, so it's kind of, you know, we put all the big pluses into one. So he had to enjoy it anyway. So when you think about it, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not a horrible place. Yeah, it, it's something. What's not to like, right? Yeah, that's the thing, you know, especially in these days, everyone's thinking how to not to close a restaurant or not, not, no one's even thinking to opening something probably. But then we made a decision, okay, let's do this because now is the possibility is now is the right time. Yeah. Um, the UK government has created a scheme called Eat Out to Help Out, which gives uh, diners a 50% discount on food. Um, 
up up to 10 pounds per diner I think and I think it's early in the week and it's running all this month have you are you part of that scheme yeah we've got it on Wednesdays um yeah we got it on Wednesdays and then people actually yeah filled up the place and then you know it's great for them it's great for us it's great government's move because uh yeah it's, it's, it's a bit how does it actually work? Do they have a, a voucher, or does the government reimburse you? What happens? Yeah, the the, the government really, you know gives you money back later on. But then this is the um, so you come in just dining. You know, you don't need to say anything. It, it depends from the place. Some places, you know, they charge you, they don't charge you. You need to say something. But with us, and then I've been a couple of places already with the family. Um, yeah, you just get charged. So let's say if if you know, let's say us, we're having a meal, and then. We're spending fifty pounds, so then we're going to pay twenty five, probably yeah, twenty twenty five. So it's going to get everything like ten pounds. It kick you off the bill. If you spend twenty, you pay ten. So this is, I think, this is absolutely great. So now people actually, when there's on Wednesdays, because we're open Wednesday to Saturday, so on Wednesdays people start, you know, enjoying the drinks a bit more and then a bit more food. Uh, yeah, it's because everyone thinks, oh yeah, it's ten pounds, ten pounds, but then actually, you know. They ended up spending a bit more, but they're still in the end they're getting a discount and it feels much better. You know, ten pounds is extra extra drink or, or extra course or extra snack is 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 amazing. And especially if your table Yeah, that's five, fantastic. Yeah, four or five people, this is already fifty quid of the bill, which is quite a lot. Definitely. what other government support has there been for restaurants through the pandemic? Um, yeah, so some places they try to not to pay rent. But then again, who were under the indi- like individually owned places, some people, you know, didn't care. They said, I need my rent and it's it. But then, yeah, the furlough scheme, of course, that was for the whole Britain. Um, everyone got paid who, you know, fit into the gap of uh, being employed by the certain amount of days and then how it was. So this was a big help to everyone. I think be, be, without this would be absolutely disaster. And then talking about the... Um, Industry, I think it's not that much something going on. So this one need the, the the percentages discount, and then I think for the moment is that's what we've got. But then you know they they're encouraging always people to come out and eat outside, you know, because before that you know there was a tradition every Sunday you go for the roast, but then during the pandemic everyone was making their roast at home, so people got used to it actually, and they understood like oh if a whole family going to go for the roast, we're going to pay certain amount of money but then at home we can make for 15 quid you know people start saving a bit more and then yeah he's he's changed a little bit but i think you know that is going to be a new normal yeah i guess it's 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 the same here as well you know people have learned more about cooking at home but i think at the same time they've also they're also appreciating restaurants so much cuz yeah in, in melbourne at the moment we're in lockdown no one's going to the restaurant so uh, i'm going to yeah, I feel like I'm going <laughs> to go to a restaurant three times a day for the rest of my life. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's that, it's that balance. Um, what are the actual restrictions for restaurants in London at the moment in terms of uh, distancing and density? So, yeah, distancing, there is one metre apart back-to-back um, when a, people are sitting, so you can't sit, you know, closer than metre apart when you – uh, you know, chair back to the back, and then um, before the entrance, entering the restaurant, um, you got hostess taking your temperatures, and then let's say if you're a table of two or or four or six, I think six is maximum. Um, 
you can, you know, one of us will have to leave the uh, phone number for tracing if something happens, you know, during that day in that area. So then, you know, the, the government will ask for the people who dine with us and then try to track where they comes from. So this is the most, uh, you know, relevant thing to do. And then there's not much, yeah, there is a COVID, uh, so like, a, it's not a test, I would say. Um, so the, you know, the restrictions where you're coming in, even in the market, you know, there's like a, a lines drawn, so coming in, coming out, it has to be, you know, two different entrances and an exit. Um, and the same, you know, when people standing in the queues, let's say it has to be a gapping, but to be honest, uh, no one is that following that anymore, I think. Like markets so are like Saturday is, is packed like back in the day. Is it? Yeah, it is. You know, I think people go, you know, they're still wearing masks, you know. Uh, I would say 70% maybe wearing masks and then the rest of them, yeah, not. And then, yeah. But I think slowly, 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 hopefully that goes back. I know the numbers are increasing now again, but then, as I said, I really think we need to get um, used to it to live with this COVID because I think it's going to be, you know, the future is not going to disappear like this. I think when it's here already, then it's, it's just going to stay. And then unfortunately, you know, I think it is where it is. There will be a cure for that. Yeah. But it's, still, it's still, it's still going to be, it's going to be here. <laughs> well, given that, how do you see the future rolling out for restaurants in London? I I think by next year, I would say, well, February, March, probably is going to go back to normal. If, if if you keep if carry on like this like this now, you know slowly and slowly and surely everyone start opening up and then people start feeling more safe coming out because you know every single restaurant gets ready for them, um, you know everyone's wearing the mask and then you know sanitizes everywhere. I don't know how much that helps because uh, you know I'm, I'm not gonna go into the details against the COVID because I'm against it anyway. But then uh, I I don't know how much you know I, I think. By the next year, people will feel more safe if everything goes this way. Well, I mean, the, the good way. Yes, it's increasing a little bit, but then, um, yeah, I really think by next year should go back to normal. Uh, yeah, well, I hope you're right. And um, and you plan to still be there in Borough Market serving food uh, in amongst the produce? Yeah, that's the whole idea because we started as the pop-up and then but they're always back of plan to do permanent thing and then... At the moment, we started thinking more. So um, we've got, as I said, we've got the uh, other side of the road, um, the fine dining place. So that we're going to move from end of September, first of October, probably. We're going to move in um, during in the actual stand. So daytime, you can have enjoy a small plate. And then nighttime, we're going to split that a little bit. So then, um, let's say, what, 30, 40% will be a small plate. And then 60% will be a fine dining experience. So we kind of, uh, you know, fit everyone under the under the turnips stand roof, and that, that we're gonna put, yeah, give a different different uh, dining experience. You know, still sitting outside in the winter because there's no wind coming through. We've got walls around, so yeah, it's something something different. Hopefully, that will work. Yeah, that sounds absolutely fantastic, uh, Thomas. Let's finish off by you telling me what you're really excited about cooking this week. What produce is looking beautiful? So this week we're gonna have a absolutely amazing grapes, and then we're gonna have a still going really strong uh, figs from uh, Provence, and then 
maitake mushrooms. That's going to be, I think, uh, changing our potatoes. And I think this dish, I'm looking really into it because I'm going to do with the egg yolk. That's, uh, yeah, and then monkfish. So I know it's not vegetable, but then I'm looking forward for monkfish, for baby monkfishes, because they're great at the moment. So yeah, these are things we're going to work on. We already got ideas what we're going to do. So tomorrow, you know, some, some guy's going to get ready one thing, and then we're going to work on those dishes and then start working on them on Thursday. It sounds really inspiring. I just I can see those grapes all plump and juicy waiting for you. So I, I yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye on your Instagram and see what you do with them. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the word from London Town. It's really fantastic to chat to you, and great to hear about you doing something so positive in difficult times and something that sounds like it's got a really promising future. Thank you so much. So much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for everyone. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.